You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, incomplete. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will just take the words that you have given us today, Lord, and uh, Lord, instill it within our hearts, Lord, because we know that without you, we can do nothing. So, Lord, we just trust in you, Lord, to help us deliver this message this morning. Since February month is the love month, dedicated to love, and uh, this is Family Day weekend, and uh, we have our marriage conference coming up in, in March. Uh, Pastor Mark and I thought it would be a great idea if we tag team with our spouses and uh, give you a perspective from the old and from the young uh, with regard to uh, living a marriage that works. Amen? Uh, the main reason so many marriages end up in divorce is because at least one, if not both of them, um, are not following God's word. And when you stray from God's word, you can expect to get yourself in trouble. And uh, the Bible gives copious amounts of instruction concerning love and marriage. Uh, 
this sermon will not allow us to say everything that needs to be said, but we believe we'll give you a good outline as to uh, how we have experienced God's love and God's direction in our relationship over the last 45, uh, 54 years. 54 years. It's hard to think that it's gone that long, but in May we'll be 55 years married. And uh, Mark was... (laughs) Mark was talking about the sweet spot. We've been in that spot for years. Uh, And it's it's still lasting, praise the Lord. Uh, God's... uh, God's kind of love, as Effie uh, read there in Corinthians chapter 13, expl- explains what it is exactly what it is like to, uh, to practice the principles that is in wo- interwoven throughout the Bible with regard to uh, marriage relationships and any relationship, of, of course, for that kind. God's institution of marriage will only work with God's kind of love. Anything else, you don't have the real thing. Remember the, 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 uh, the uh, thing with Coke, the advertisement with Coke, the real thing? Well, God's love is the real thing. Yeah. The real thing, really the real thing. <laughs> and you can't have that without uh, uh, getting your information and your instruction from his word. Okay, at the time of our marriage, I had never accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. I knew about salvation. The church that I was raised in preached salvation. The Holy Spirit had, I remember him speaking to my heart very strongly at one time, and I I just didn't respond and give my heart to the Lord. But... uh, So when we married, I had a lot of insecurities in my life. I needed a lot of affirmation from my husband. I could cook, bake, clean, and care for children. I learned to do that at a very early age, coming from a family of 15 kids, plus mom and dad. Everyone worked in our home as soon as they were able. And we all used to say, you were knee high to a grasshopper, there's a job for you to do. If you weren't tall enough to reach the dishpan, you got up on a chair or a stool and did your part. I don't remember getting praise for anything that I did at home. It was just expected of me. When I married, I needed my husband with me continuously to tell me how great I was doing and Uh, as a wife and a homemaker, and Hayward was completely different. He grew up with four girls, four sisters, and he was treated like royalty. They, They just did everything for him, you know? So needless to say, he didn't see the need to spend time with me every waking moment to tell me that I was doing wonderful. So... Uh, just seeing the fun and the 
relationship that they had as a family together. It, it was not anything that I had experienced in my family, but I, I did uh, come into their family, uh, and they right from the beginning, they showed me love and acceptance from the very first time I met them. And insecurities can cause a lot of turmoil in a person. You know, there's arguments, assumptions, silent treatments. It's not very pretty. And it happens because it happened to me very often. Thankfully, I gave my life to Jesus and he changed me. He changed my marriage. He changed my perception of love. He taught me how to love his way as written in 1 Corinthians 13. I was believing a lie from Satan that he had implanted in my mind, but now I know who I am in Christ. I know the power of prayer, and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 declares, I am a new creature or new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. The most difficult of all the things in our lives was getting rid of all of the old stuff that we had accumulated. Um, we all hoard to some extent, and every time we moved, uh, and we moved often, we would find ourselves throwing out things that we really didn't need. So getting rid of all the stuff um, about 13 years ago when we sold our duplex up north of Coal Lake and uh, moved in with, to an in-law suite with uh, Lance and Cindy. We both uh, found that very difficult. We had to get a lot. We had a whole house, a two-story house in the basement. So we had to get a, rid of a lot of things in order to move into uh, a suite downstairs, you know. So uh, as we went through all our stuff and throwing things out, uh, some of it went into the dumpster, some of it to orbit and trends. And I remember we were both crying as we'd throw things in the dumpster, and it was just so hard. And I looked at him, and I said, you know, we've spent our whole life accumulating all these things, and yet again, nobody wants them, so we're just throwing them out or giving them away. <laughs> and, and, uh, but, you know, it was beneficial. It... it um, was painful at the time, but it proved to be liberating as it freed us up for a lot of space and making room for new, a new chapter in our lives together. Sometimes we hold on to things in life, hold on to a lot of stuff in our lives, hurtful things, things that happen, words that are spoken over the years anger, unforgiveness, things like that. These things, if not dealt with, can ruin a potentially great marriage. Um, marriage usually begins with two people very much in love. And when you fall in love, you're blind to all of the deficiencies that are in someone's life. And... Uh, but after you get settled in for a while, you begin to see those things and begins to eat at you. It begins to uh, 
disturb you. And then you want to make some changes. But you find out it's not so easy to change another person. In fact, if God don't change them, they're never going to be changed. And so uh, there are hardly any big issues. They're getting to know each other at first in marriage. But as the relationship continues forward, the stuff begins to accumulate. And this stuff causes deterioration in a once beautiful relationship. Don't happen right away, but a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And finally, one day, you just blow your top. And uh, this calls for a practical, biblical approach to the situation. Usually, when Effie and I do marriage counseling, um, the relationship has become terrible. They, they, the couple realizes that we can't do this on our own. We can't fix it on our own. We need help. And many times, it is so bad that one of the couple just are finished with it. They want to just get out of the relationship, and they want our blessing, of course. And uh, but. Um, uh, we have been called to mend and restore relationships, not to help to break them up. But uh, uh, when we are able to get two people to agree that we still love each other and we, we don't want to go down this path that we've been going, we want to make a, a course correction in our lives, we usually can find out that with God's help, their, their marriage can be restored. We believe that couples who uh, have successful marriages apply biblical principles. And uh, they may not recognize it as such, but nevertheless, the Bible is very practical. And sometimes a person may come from a, a line, down the line somewhere, maybe great-great-grandfather was a a firm believer in God, a man of faith. And he brought up his family with biblical principles. And these principles have long been forgotten that they are biblical principles, but they are still lived by. And so you can find someone who don't go to church, don't have any desire for God whatsoever, but yet they're living by these biblical principles. They don't know it's biblical principles, but it's been passed down from generation to generation. And those people who live by those biblical principles find that their marriages last just as long as Effie and mine do because they're applying biblical principles to their marriage. Uh, love and honor and respect and honesty and faithfulness and patience and kindness are biblical principles practiced by believers and unbelievers alike. There are some wonderful people in the world who practice this kind of a, this kind of a life, but they, all they need to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner, even though I'm doing so well, I'm doing all these good things, but Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus in my life. And that makes their life a whole lot different. When people refrain from cheating and stealing and murder, they're applying biblical principles in their lives. 
So yes, saint and sinner alike will benefit their marriage relationship by unknowingly or purposely applying biblical principles to the relationship. So even if somebody who'd never bowed their knee, bowed their knee before God said, I believe there are some good things in that Bible and I'm going to live by some of these principles, it will benefit them. But the greatest benefit is to believe what the Bible says, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And when they accept that as a fact and they believe that and they say, Lord, I believe that. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross so that I might be saved. I might be born again. And they trust in that. That's the thing that gets you to heaven. You can follow a lot of the principles in the Bible and still miss eternity with Jesus Christ. Love is a choice. It's a decision that we make every day. For every Christian, the Bible is very clear. We are commanded to love. And John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. God commands, but it's our choice to obey the command. Although I cannot imagine love in a marriage without feelings, at its core, love is a choice. We choose to be committed to each other. It is far more than the emotion portrayed in the movies. It is a decision to be committed to the trials of life. And even though we've been married all this year, these years, it doesn't mean that we don't have to work at our marriage. Every day we have to make that choice to either uh, walk in love and unity or we can walk away from it and we can allow a lot of garbage to come into our lives. Old resentments, old feelings can come up, the old ways, and unless we make that decision that we're not going to allow that to be part of us, it, it's, it will come, and it will be just as dangerous as if we were in our early 20s or teens, whatever. So we have to guard ourselves against that every day. True love in marriage is choosing to be faithful to each other. That's front and foremost. I'm going to be faithful to you. This includes more than just our bodies. It also includes our eyes, our mind, our heart, our soul. This means rejecting sexual fantasies about another person. It means rejecting all forms of porn. It means refusing to put anything in front of my eyes, my body, or my heart that would compromise my faithfulness to Effie. Love is patient. We all have weaknesses that relationships will expose. The sooner we can admit that we are not perfect, the greater the prospect of 
uh, for a successful marriage relationship. And you might ask, Do, is your marriage perfect? No, we're not perfect because we're not perfect people. But every day we choose to get together before we do anything else, to pray together, read the word, and we choose to honor one another. We choose to respect one another. Uh, we choose to forgive often. And, <laughs> and all those things are, uh, you know, just things that help us. Because if we didn't decide to do that, uh, our marriage would never be where it's at today. In fact, we give all the credit to Jesus for coming into our lives and leading us. And, and uh, I know that we, even when we accept Christ, we have to make that decision that we're going to read the word and we're going to pray and we're going to serve him and, and follow the commands. It's very clear, even the first portion of scripture that I gave today, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it's, everything is there. So if we just follow that, it will just take care of a lot of things that would uh, cause us to stumble. I will make mistakes, and I will need forgiveness. I'm not superior to my spouse or my spouse superior to me. Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. A prideful attitude will bring about resentment and will prevent your relationship from moving forward. If you struggle in this area, grab a pencil and quickly write down three things that your partner does better than you. These simple exercises should help you stay humble and repeat those as often as necessary. Because no one is perfect, patient and forgive patience and forgiveness will always be required in a marriage relationship. Learn to show unending patience and forgiveness to your spouse. Humbly admit your own faults. Do not expect perfection from your spouse. Um, as Effie said, we're not, we're not perfect. We're not trying to say, look at us, how, how well we're doing, because, you know, we've, we basically, if it wasn't for God, uh, we would be in terrible trouble. And uh, so, uh, you know, just this morning, like we could have a fight every day. This morning, I don't know what it was, something I said, and Effie, Effie had a better answer than what I had. And uh, I just decided, okay, that's as far as I'm going to take that. And um, after a little while of quietness, Effie said, uh, are you, uh, what, are you um, sort of, you know, are you stewing now over what I said or something? You know? And I said, no, definitely not. And so, you know, but sometimes we can assume, too. Because I was quiet, she assumed that maybe I was a little ticked, but I wasn't at that time. But, uh, you know, like, so you need to know each other, love each other, have respect for each other. And a lot of those times when we do... Uh, say or do something that gets the other ones, pushes a button on the other one, it doesn't mean that is going to go into a, 
just a, a frenzy and shouting and screaming at one another. We, you know, you can have a, a good relationship and a good communication with each other. Um, don't bring up past offenses in an effort to justify your arguments. And uh, so once you say, I forgive you, then you're forgiven. And uh, if you do something as bad or worse or the same thing tomorrow, I'm not going to bring what you up, up what you did yesterday. We're just going to deal with this thing today. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 to 32 says, do not grieve or do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's a guarantee that you have. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, and unless you deliberately deliberately start sinning and don't, and don't ask God to forgive you, uh, this is a promise that you have. That one day, you are going to either die or going to be taken up in the rapture, whatever happens first, but you're going to go into the presence of God. That's a guarantee. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well of all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I would say that this applies to all types of relationships. It, it applies to relationships within the church family as well. It just isn't just for a special few people. Every born-again believer needs to apply this scripture to your life. If we would apply this, it would set our hearts free to enjoy the blessings of God in our marriage and in our other relationships. <clears throat> we cannot shortcut or ignore God's word and expect blessings. A lot of times we pick and choose the scriptures. We've got favorite scriptures. And we just turn a blind eye to some of the most important words and just pick out what we want. You can't do that and expect the blessings of God. We reap what we sow. Amen? Well, as he was speaking there, I thought uh, as I spoke a bit earlier and said that some of the old things can rise up in us that I would share with you uh, it's not a whole long time ago but when Hayward wear, he loves to wear dress shirts at work and I'm like why don't you wear a pull off one like you know it's much easier to wash and hang and take care of and uh, what but I don't mind him wearing the dress shirts, but when he takes them off, he uses, just unbuttons a couple of buttons and pulls them off like a t-shirt, you know, pullover. So I'm like, you know, that really bugs me because when I'm washing, when I wash those shirts and when it's time to iron them, I have to undo every one of those buttons. So he said, okay, you won't see that again. 
Well, it lasted for a couple of washes, but then here they were. One day I had five shirts hanging that needed to be ironed, and the buttons were done up to right here. So right away, I took his most favorite shirt, and I had it in my hands, and I had like my hands on both sides of it, and I was about ready to just rip every button out of it. And all of a sudden, it came to me. No, that's the way you would have reacted. But now you're changed, you're different. So I took every shirt and I undid, undid all the buttons one by one. And I, as I did them, I go, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Six buttons on five shirts. I love you, I love you. So... Just to let you know, we, we are human. <laughs> Love is the greatest. Every successful relationship requires intentional quality time together. Quality time real, rarely happens when quantity time is absent. Relationship with your spouse should be the most intimate and deep of relationships. It will require much more time than any other relationship. Whenever possible, this should be a daily event. Arrange for date nights and weekends, getaways once in a while. Don't use the excuse that we can't afford it. You can't afford not to. So... You can make your own decisions with that. There's lots of things you can do. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money just for you and your spouse to get out and spend a bit of quality time together. Amen. Well, we must stress the importance of communication in a marriage relationship. Successful marriage partners learn to communicate. Probably one of the biggest problems that we see in marriages that are having problems is the lack of communication. Once you get the communication lines going again, uh, things come together real good. Successful marriage partners learn to communicate not only uh, concerning kids and household and utilities, but also communicate hopes and dreams and fears, anxieties. Listening is just as important as speaking in communication. If you're speaking and nobody's listening, nothing is going to be done. And uh, so honest communication is foundational for for a successful marriage and uh, is foundational for applying 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, as uh, Effie re uh, read there this morning, uh, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. 
Love never gives up, never, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. A well-known um, Edmonton Christian lawyer uh, who uh, dealt a lot with uh, in the divorce courts uh, was um, the, the lawyer who taught us church law in college. And uh, he, he noted that uh, divorce courts um, usually the largest thing that, that was uh, the cause of, of the breakup in the, in the marriages was selfishness. One or the other was all about me. What's in it for me? What about me? Something like the old TV show, What About Bob? <laughs> but anyway, um, surveys blame it on finances or lack of commitment, infidelity, incompatibility. But the root cause of these situations is selfishness. The Bible gives a clear pathway to rid pride and selfishness and every other thing that wars against true love in our marriage relationship. We read it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <clears throat> Although we said that you can practice biblical principles concerning marriage relationships and have a great measure of success without being born again, such persons are missing out on the blessings of a transformed life. And it is the transformed life that brings everything into focus the way that God wants it to be. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. You must choose to live this way, this new life. Even after you have said, Lord, I'm accepting you as my savior. You must choose to make that an everyday decision. It's not always easy, but it is rewarding. When we were first married and I wasn't serving the Lord, I had the, the strange idea that I could be married and I could still go out with the boys. You know, like I had a, there was a certain night that I would want to get out with the boys. Of course, when you got out with the boys, you did all the things that boys do. And, uh, but I'm glad that I have a very, had a very strong wife who uh, set me down and said, I'm your boy from now on. <laughs> so either I'm important to you or they are. And so I soon got the message and I conformed. 
Neither Effie or I were, were serving the Lord when we were married. I had invited the Lord into my life when I was nine years of age. I rededicated my life to him again when I was 14 and, at, and again at 17. And every one of those attempts probably was because of lack of teaching that I had at that time. But uh, every one of those attempts at serving God ended up in me. Uh, it was about a year each time. It was about roughly around a year, and I would be back in my old ways, uh, back to my old sinful ways. Um, had I died during those times of deliberate sinful living, I certainly would have gone to hell. Regardless of what some of you may think about being saved, always saved, I don't believe that. I believe that the Bible says there's no sin going to enter heaven. And so if I'm living a sinful life, whether I've prayed the sinner's prayer a dozen times, I'm not going to go to heaven. I believe that with all my heart. And so I was doing a lot of, a lot of stuff in those years. I, I had a gift of writing, and I would write songs. And the people in my community loved the songs that I, I, that I wrote, and I would sing them. I'd take my guitar, country and western by, by nature and by habit, and, and uh, so that's why you don't see me using my guitar here in church. When I came here, the Lord said, uh, this is what I want you to do. You've got to relinquish what you've been doing for the, for the most of your ministry, and, and you've got to go this way now. And so I went to Christian Rock, and uh, I, I tried. I've tried to strum with it. I just can't do it. I just I got that twang in me. But, uh, you know, but, you know the, the, the thing is that um, I, I was hitting on a path that wasn't good. And the, the stuff that I wrote, I could not sing not one. I don't know. There's not one song that I wrote that I could sing in church. And, uh, and I go back now, and when I meet some of, the, some of the guys and some of the children of the guys that I hung around with in my, in my younger days, and they're singing my songs at parties. And so it'll give you an idea, you know, like that's, that's where I was at. And uh, so I loved Effie, and I, and I intended to love her till I died. You know, like when I said I do, we, we, we were brought up with some Christian principles. And, and so uh, we took marriage vows seriously. But at the age of 23, just a young married man, um, I joined Effie in serving the Lord. Effie was a United Church girl, and... and uh, and we were married in the United Church. We had our oldest son baptized in the United Church. And I was never going to go back to the Pentecostal church again. And uh, God had other ideas. He said, okay, this is the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to move up on, on his wife by the Holy Spirit. She's going to get saved, and he's going to follow her. I loved her with all my heart. I, I've, I fought with her for about probably two or three months, but then I finally gave in, 
and I gave my heart to the Lord. I don't know where I would have been if God hadn't given me Effie, but I thank God for Effie. So um, we've been serving the Lord together now for the past uh, close to 54 years. Uh, Jesus has become that third strand in our marriage. We weren't doing well in our first year of marriage. We were fighting like cats and dogs. And I mean, this girl can really get a temper on when she wants to. <laughs> she could, yeah, she don't anymore. Um, so Jesus has become that, that, that strand in our life, that third strand that can easily be broken. And we can say that we have a successful, loving marriage, and we give all the glory to God. It's a testimony. Our marriage is a testimony to what can happen in a marriage when God is given control. It matters not how difficult your marriage is right now, how far that you have drifted apart, or how badly you've been hurt, Jesus Christ is your answer. If you're a Christian, if you're both Christians, and you're going through this, Jesus Christ is still your answer. But you've got to stop playing church. You've got to stop just being religious. You've got to have a heart-to-heart talk with God and then serve him with all your heart and let his love fill your heart. And when the love of Christ is shed abroad in your heart, you've got the capacity to love your husband and to love your wife. So Effie and I have no greater joy in helping couples find hope and love and joy and peace and happiness that God desires for every married couple. We've been doing this for years, helping people in their marriage. And we would gladly help anyone that's going through a difficult time. If you will both turn your lives over to him, he will restore your life and restore your marriage. But serving God is a personal decision that only you, one of you, can make. You can't make the decision for your husband. You can pray for your husband, but you can't make the decision for him. He has to make that decision. The same goes for your wife. You can't make the decision for your wife. You can say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you will do it through prayer, seeking God, and living the Christian life in front of your spouse so that they will see Christ in you and want to serve him as well. Those of you who are dating or looking uh, looking for a spouse, God has prepared a way for you to choose the right partner and to enjoy a happy, successful marriage. If you have not done so, invite Jesus into your life now, today. You may ignore God's plan for your life, and God will allow you to do that. God is not going to twist your arm. He's given you free choice. He is saying, here is my word. 
Here is what I have planned for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to help you, to prosper you, to give you a good future. But if you will not accept that, he will not, he will not force you to. But if you turn your back on him, if you ignore God's plan for your life, you're on your own. Until you can come to a point where you say, Lord, I've messed up, I've made some wrong decisions, I need you. You're on your own. And the consequences is not worth it. God never intended any marriage to be a burden, to be hell on earth. He intended your marriage to be help, healthy, successful, and a model for others to see. A model for your children, a model for your grandchildren. And he wants to do that in your life. You say, well, I wish I had known this 20 years ago. It's not too late. If I was talking to someone that is 77 years old and someone who is 71. And they've had a terrible life. I would say, why don't you try Jesus? You could have 10, 15, 20, 30 more years of a beautiful, blissful life. It's only found in Jesus Christ. The Hollywood style does not work. Jesus is your answer. You sign up for the marriage workshop. <laughs> Simon and Ruth are certified marriage counselors, and they've been doing it for quite a few years, so it'll be good. Come and get in on it. Amen. Amen. And expect a miracle. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we just pray that this time that we've had together this morning, Lord, would be beneficial to your people, encouraging for those, Lord, who have a happy marriage, Lord, and Lord, and, and Lord, and, and hopeful for those, Lord, who are struggling in their marriages today. We want to thank you, Lord, that you care so much about us. You love us, Lord. And even, Lord, if we made a blunder in decisions in our life, Lord, you're able to restore, you're able to renew, and Lord, we so pray that you will just ministered into every heart and life today. And if there's anyone here today, if you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you. Amen. Lord bless you real good. Have a great day in Jesus. You've been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.